0: Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally and I want to welcome you to the youngadults.today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm joined today by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Good morning and welcome.
1: Hey guys, so great to be recording today and doing awesome, Micah how are you? I'm doing great. Awesome.
0: We're alive and we're well we're praying for the entire world at this time but I know Josiah that you have a very important um, person to introduce today. You've met them a few years ago and you've shared several stories of what you've encountered with this um, I don't know person and then also with a team of people so I'm not going to take any more time but will you introduce our special guest today?
1: I'd be honored to We're here sitting with Ryan Romeo right now. Ryan is an artist, author, and speaker. He's the creative director and also co-founder of the Outcry Worship Tour that you've probably heard of or attended. And just to give you a glimpse of Outcry, just in the first three years, the Outcry Tour has been to over 86 cities, has seen over 900,000 people attend, and thousands give their life to Christ. Ryan has a deep passion for the church and all things creative we're in for a treat today he's currently the pastor of creative arts at living streams church in phoenix arizona he lives with his wife blake and their three children and just released a brand new book and podcast called head in the clouds so ryan welcome to the show thanks so
2: much for hanging with us today josiah and micah thank you so much for having me on
0: you are so welcome. We're just excited to see what God's going to do through this podcast and just the things that he's been downloading in your creative heart. And yeah, so you just want to kick it off right away. Um, Ryan, would you be willing just to kick us off with your story and dive, and then we'll dive into the conversation. Like, how did this become a passion? When did God enter your life? All Anything you want to share?
2: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I actually didn't grow up Christian. So I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, which is not the Bible Belt, uh, for sure. <laughs> it's kind of the Portland of the Southwest, um, and grew up really never hearing the name Jesus. And, um, and in high school, I met a youth pastor, and he came into my life and found out that I played guitar, and, um, and he said, will you come and lead worship at my small group that I'm starting? And I said, I have no idea what that means, (laughs) but awesome. Yes, I'll come, you know, and I heard like, hey, come play guitar in front of other people. No problem. And because of that youth leader and because of that small group that he started in Tucson with probably about, you know, five or six other people, it was not like this flashy, amazing thing. That was where I met Jesus. And my life really changed from that point on and I always joke I was a worship leader before I was a Christian, <laughs> and I really was, and the power of a, of, a, of a good youth pastor, really, for me, he's still one of my closest friends, you know, he really impacted me in a, in a season of my life when not a lot of people wanted to be around me. I was into drugs, and I was just messy, and didn't know how to speak any Christianese at all, you know, and he really took me under his wing and really discipled me, and that was the thing that changed my life, and from that point on i was really invested into worship and leading worship and uh, kind of the creative side of of church and and i felt at that point that god was really impressing on me that i was going to one day be a part of something um big with worship events and i was listening to at the time it's kind of the mid-90s so delirious was really big and um and passion before anyone really even knew the members of passion no one knew who chris tomlin was you know and they were actually doing delirious covers
0: <laughs> and
2: so um and so i was listening to those albums and really felt like the lord was saying this is going to be something you're going to be a part of and um my story i think like everybody else's kind of wandered you know kind of like the story of joseph like you get this kind of general dream in your life you're not really sure what it means, how you're going to get there, what the time frame is or anything. I just kind of had this general dream in my heart. And then God took me on this kind of crazy journey. And my wife and I were on staff with YWAM and uh, we did a lot of missions work. We, we worked at churches kind of all along the way. Um, but God kind of just never let me let go of that dream. And uh, fast forward to my college years and I went back to college. So I was kind of old, kind of an older college student and um, I went back for graphic design and it was really like a lot of decisions in my life were like man the Lord spoke this thing to me and it's so that was a decision that my mother-in-law was just like Ryan I think you need to go back to school what do you want to do and I said well I guess I would do graphic design and she's like great you should do that so I left her house that you know that night going I guess I'm going to be going into graphic design so went to the U of A, not a Christian school at all. Again, you know, like going into the liberal arts uh, uh, area of of college. And and, um, in that season, I just decided, you know, if I'm going to make a go out of this thing, if I'm going to be a graphic designer and provide for my family, which I was married at the time, and we were talking about having kids. And I said, I'm going to really have to get somebody with some notoriety, you know, like I need somebody who gets attention so I could get more clients, you know, it's just really that simple. So I jumped on computer, emailed everybody that I could think of that I looked up to. So, you know, across the board, different musicians, different leaders that I looked up to. The only person that got back to me was David Crowder. And wow. Crowder said, if you wanna do some, some web design for us, we, we, we are in the need of that, why don't you send me some ideas? And I barely knew what I was doing with web design, but I told myself, I always make these weird rules in my head, but I made, made this rule that, okay, Crowder sent me an email. I will not let one week go by without responding. And I was like, great, I, I'm gonna work on some ideas. So I worked for one week, just every night, I was working until two or three in the morning, like coming up with ideas, searching forums, copying and pasting code. I was doing flash design at the time, which like flash oh, was man. like the thing, you know. <laughs> And um, so I sent him an idea and he had an album at the time called Remedy. It was this kind of like white and green illustration. And so I kind of illustrated those on the website and sent him the idea. And um, he said, we love it. And the next email we got was from Shelly Giglio. And I started working with 268 and, um, but still living in Tucson, just still living in this little, you know, like we had a little two bedroom condo. We were kind of young married couple and started working with Crowder and, Um, that was kind of like the beginning of this season where I started moving toward it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, But outcry didn't happen for another six years, seven years after that, you know, it's like the, the journey, I could look back on all these high points, but there's these big chunks of time where I was going, God, what are you doing in my life? It feels like you've forgotten me, you know? And so by the time outcry came along, I had met um, my friend Shane through David Crowder and we did a, a conference together, Shane and I, and, um, at the end of that, he he called me and he said, I'm thinking of doing a worship leader conference called Outcry. What do you think? And that was the kind of beginning of, of us dreaming about it. And so we we talked about it for about four years. And finally, one day he, he called me and he said, he had like along the way started working with people like Jesus Culture, then started working with um, Hillsong United. He ran the Hillsong United's first big U.S. tour and So he called me, and he said, I just got off the phone with Joel Houston, um, and he said he wants to do a tour in in the U.S., but he doesn't want to do a Hillsong tour. He wants to jump on another tour. He's like, what if we turned Outcry into a tour? And we had never talked about it being that before, and basically, I said, if Joel Houston says yes, it's like the Lord saying yes, and so, like, (laughs) go ahead and pitch, you know, and so he, Shane was, like, pitching the idea, and um, I was at my brother's wedding, and and uh we both agreed if if Hillsong says yes, we're gonna invite everybody that we know to this thing. Um, and we knew already the why of outcry. It was really unity, it was talking about the power of the church, it was, you know, we wanted to do something worship centered. And I got back to got back from my trip and my I had this the most exciting email list I think I've ever seen in my life. And it was like, you know, uh David Crowder said yes, Passion said yes, Carrie Job said yes. Bethel said yes. Jesus Culture said yes. Uh, We got a rough album from a new singer named Lauren Daigle. And (laughs) so we took a a chance on Lauren Daigle. And that was definitely a wise move looking back. Um, And probably about four months later, we were out on the road and um, thousand stories along the way. And that's kind of a long intro, but yes, that's kind of the high point of what led us to uh, taking out Cry Off the Ground.
1: You know, Ryan, that's amazing. I have been to a lot of events, a lot of conferences, a lot of tours and um, college pastor, young adult pastor. And at the same time, three years ago, I would have told you I have my preferences. I have my musical preferences, my worship style, maybe my genre
0: or flavor,
1: um, (laughs) if you will, you know, my, my playlist. And I was much more at the time of maybe elevation worship variety, Hillsong variety. And and Micah, my wife, she's like super at the time, like really into spontaneous worship. Mm -hmm. And if I walked into the room, I would shut it down because I just, it wasn't my vibe or style. So anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My prayer during that time was like, Lord, he needs to understand the less structured and more just flow in the spirit. So I was praying for him Mm -hmm. specifically to understand the depths of, the heart of Christ through worship and to be able to experience that because he's like, Well, I don't really. Meh. There's a little apprehension, and I'm just like, sure. sort of, Okay, come on, Lord, you got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so insert outcry right here. So, yes.
1: I don't even know that I'm going to outcry. One day I, I fly to um, Nashville with two friends, Matt and Micah, not her, Micah, another friend named Micah. And we go and we were there for like a one day conference, but our flight wasn't until the next day. And Matt, his flight was that day. He texts us in a group with you, and he's like, you guys should go to Outcry tonight. My friend Ryan leads it. He'll get you in. So I'm like, great. We'll go to this event. We'll go to this concert. We'll go to this conference. And right there, it was one of the most defining moments in my life, Ryan. And and I'll just tell you, you welcomed us in. You welcomed us backstage. And just to give you an idea – I, I don't know who a lot of the people are. So this, it's loud and we're mm-hmm. praying and we're worshiping. And this girl comes up to me <laughs> and she has a prophetic word for me, but I can't yes, hear her. She's like, hey, I've never met you before. I'm Alyssa. I'm like, hey Alyssa, I'm Josiah. She's like, yes. I'm <laughs> Melissa. I'm like, oh, and like when I told her this story, she's mortified. It was yes. Melissa Helser. <laughs> Melissa Melissa with Bethel. God gave her like a word for me. She was so gracious. I didn't know who she was. And it was like in that moment, God spoke to me about unity. Hmm. And it was like, there were thoughts I had had. There was even words that I said about like different styles of worship. And it's like, God just told me this in the back room at Outcry. He's like, you can either go over there by yourself in the corner and never amount to anything in the kingdom of God or you can understand that these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And there was this moment in my heart, Ryan, where there was just unity. And so can you talk for a second about unity in the church and outcry expresses this, I think, better than anything I've ever tangibly experienced. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to learn from you.
2: Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that was one of the major things that Shane and I, we would be dreaming about and, um, at the time, you know, when we first started dreaming about it, it was probably 2010, something like that. And, um, there really wasn't this sort of these groups coming together. There just really wasn't like passion was doing their thing. Hillsong was doing their thing mm-hmm. and it wasn't cause they hated each other. They just didn't really, they were just busy doing their thing. And, um, we just saw it from the outside. Uh, one of our first meetings that we ever had, um, was backstage at a Jesus Culture conference in um, in L.A. and I had no idea who Chris Kilala was or Kim Walker-Smith, and I was just kind of you know they were new at the time for me, probably 2009 maybe, and I kind of knew him a little bit, and so we but we sat and talked with those guys a ton, especially Chris, um, and we just kept talking about like why don't why don't these groups come together. And the, the resounding thing was, it's like, it just seemed like somebody on the outside needed to come and bring them together, you know? And so, um, and, and as we were praying, we just really started to see, you know, like in Psalms, when, when it says, blessed are those who dwell in unity, their God commands a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it felt almost like we were cheating because it was like, we, we wanna do something that talks about unity in the church. And we want to be surprising in the people that we bring together. And there were people that were like, you know, at the time they were sending us messages going, Bethel's off the rails. You guys are, you know, theologically being, you know, like way too wild and open, you know, and just traversing that of going, okay, we're going to have Hillsong on a tour and we're going to have Bethel on a tour. It sounds really great. And I could spit it out really fast, but there was so much like, there were so many things that we had to overcome to get to that point. But at the same time, as soon as we were fighting for unity, it did feel strangely like God's hand was on it. And it was like, as soon as it came out, we, you know, we had 10 to 20,000 people a night and yes, it was a lot of work, but at the same time, it felt like we couldn't stop it even if we wanted to at some point. And unity is one of those things. that's so easy Um, especially in this season where you could jump on Instagram and, and I mean, I get, I get some messages from people that I'm going, Oh, come on. Like you just don't know me or you just don't know this person or you just don't know, you know, and people feel so open, like in this world where we feel like we know leaders, we actually don't know leaders. Um, we could kind of see them from afar, but it's a lot harder to judge the theology of somebody that you live with, that you work with, that you're Mm -hmm. actually in proximity with it's a lot easier to judge someone else the further further you are from them. Oh, true. And when I started to work with these, like I had people that were going, oh, young and free are on there. They're so like theologically shallow. Then I hung out with the young and free guys and I'm like, these guys are not theologically shallow. Right. They're amazing. You know, right. like these are things that you are just shooting pot shots. You think you know them, but you don't. And honestly, it's like the evangelism the power of evangelism when you see, uh, when you see John 17, when Jesus says, they will, the people outside of the church will know me because of the unity, the love that you have for one another. And we think that we're doing something really awesome when we're like shooting down theology from afar. And we're not, all we're showing the world is that we don't love each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that there is like, There's a place for accountability and everything else, but it's inside the confines of personal relationship. And if that is the line that we draw and we go, hey, I think my friend is going off the rails theologically, great, take him out to coffee, you know, like talk to him about it. If you think Brian Houston's going off the rails theologically, jumping on Instagram and saying so doesn't help him, doesn't help anybody. Um, And I think that that's one of those things that it feels good, but it actually does nothing And unity is where God commands a blessing. So I think we each have a place. We each have a peace. We each have something that's in our hands right now that we can do to really communicate unity. And what it will do is communicate to the world around us that we love each other and that we're in for each other, you know?
1: Amen. Because I felt in, in my moment at Outcry, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, do not persecute my church with your words. Oh, man, yeah. And, and that yeah. was, the, like, Ryan, that, that's what I'm talking about. This this experience that I have with God, it's like everything you're saying right now, yes and amen to blessing, yes and amen to unity, and that's that's the weight of what we mm-hmm. hold with our words is we can bless or we can curse. Right. Right. So. yes.
0: Right, and I think it shows the condition of our heart. If something comes out sideways, we as a person are obviously wrestling with something. And one thing that Josiah and I kind of talk about every once in a while, I'm like, you know what? Some of us have the gift of evangelism. Some of us have the gift of prophecy. Some of us have the gift, you know, all the different gifts that we can look at. But if I'm poking holes in somebody else's gift versus focusing on developing my own or allowing God to develop me, we can have a skewed, um, skewed view of their heart or their approach of ministry. So it's fun yeah. to see um, how the gift of creatives worship. I mean, all coming together yeah. to really glorify God's kingdom. Like that's we're on the yeah. same team, you know. Even if we yes. have different gifts and we feel like we have different jerseys on at a time. We're on the same team and we're going to rally around the heart of Christ, not just around a band or a worship set. They're bringing the presence and they're the ones, you know, praying and fasting and praying behind the scenes and experiencing the warfare and all those other things that you guys have come up against, you know, of, you know, you it's, yeah and we and don't it's get different, to see everything
2: <laughs> yeah and there's different styles and it doesn't mean that they're wrong or you know like there is a Bethel kind of free-flowing style and then there's elevation that's maybe a little but I've seen those teams worship together and they are far more alike each other than they're dislike yes. each right. other you know like yes. and I've seen elevation I've seen you know Stephen Furtick give prophetic words that are hugely powerful backstage mm-hmm. where there's no cameras nothing going on and I've seen like you know, Chris Q, not give prophetic words constantly like you would think, you know, like there are just whatever we're imagining in our minds is not is not always reality. Right. Um, and we have to be OK. I've been in in services that are really liturgical and I felt the presence of God strongly. Mm-hmm. I've been in services with Bethel and I felt the the presence of God really strongly. Um, and we have to stop saying just because somebody has a different style that it's like right or wrong theologically. Um, we have to just be able to celebrate the fact that there's such diversity in the church. Right. And Jesus is the head of the church. Our job is not to control the church. Jesus is, Jesus is the head of the church. You know, like even as church leaders, our job is not to control the church. Our job is to really steward and disciple the people that are in our lives and then p- periodically pop our head above water and look around and go, what an amazing diverse family that we have around wow. here, you know, and our, our church here it's central and Glendale in the center of, Phoenix, you know, Arizona. This is my little corner of the world. Yes, I, you know, yes, I've gone on tours and yes, I've I've been all over the place. This is the main area where God's called me to to be. Um, I have kids in my life. I need to disciple them first and foremost. I have leaders that I'm responsible to here in my day to day. There's not cameras around. You never see that, you know. And when you see when you see the other teams like Hillsong, you know, like I remember talking to Taya and Taya's like, yeah, I have. A cubicle at the church, and my job, like my day job, is is like I'm discipling young worship leaders. Like she has a day job, you know. And you you learn these things, and you're like, I I just imagine that maybe you're hanging out in some huge house. I don't know what I imagined, you know. Like (laughs) I did not imagine Taya sitting in a in a cubicle, you know. Um, And those are the kind of things that you're like, oh yeah, this is just you know we're all on the same team. We're all what we're doing is far more alike. Than we would ever imagine. You
0: know? Absolutely. Well, Ryan, we know even just having this conversation that it's okay to be uncomfortable and experience a new style of worship. And um, you've done obviously a lot of different traveling, um, but what has your experience traveling taught you about the next generation? Maybe like the college hmm. students and young adults. What has that taught you throughout these um, last you know years?
2: Yeah, and i it's something I've actually been seeing coming for a little while. Um, and I think we're learning it really for sure in this kind of COVID-19 season that we're in, um, that the, the, the quality of what you do is secondary to um, the authenticity of what you do. Mm. And I think that that's been coming for a while. I think the church sometimes stylistically in the West is a little slow to, to catch up with it. I think a lot of us are still going, Oh man! If we only just had huge lights and sound, and if we just made you know things really cool, and if only our pastor wore cooler shoes or whatever it is, <laughs> and none of that really matters, you know, especially for uh, for the younger generation, it's do you really believe what you're talking about, and what you're bringing is it actually bringing life change? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting less and less enamored with people who are really good on stage because now we have cell phones that are like. Every everybody has a stage. Everyone can jump on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think really what I see coming is a little bit of a decentralization of what we're doing. Um, even on a worship side, even on the outcry side, like we see ticket sales for big worship events going down and, and at first everybody's going, This this is so scary, you know. And what I saw was more churches were doing their own albums, more churches were doing their own things. And I actually think that's beautiful. Like, I actually think people in every corner of the world that's starting a church or doing a church, they're finding their own voice. They're finding how God uniquely made their community. And they're trying to reflect that through music, through art, through what they do online. Um, And we're really starting to see that, like I said, that diversity in the church even explode even more. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see coming. I really see less, less of a centralized you know like we all go to the same place for worship music and i'm starting to see it really come come about where every every organization is kind of doing their own thing and i think that that's beautiful i think that's like i told my team we were doing an album project and i said we're not doing an album project so we could go on outcry we're not doing an album project so that we can you know like get notoriety we're doing an album project to represent what God's doing in our community so that people could sing and go, yeah, this is what God's doing. Yes, we did just go through a series about that. Yes, the Lord is speaking to our, our church and our family about this thing. And if it resonates beyond there, great, awesome. But that's not our, that's not our goal. Um, and I think the more people that really value the voice that they bring to the table, value the voice that their team uniquely brings, uh, the more we're going to see the diversity in the church really Explode, so that's that's kind of what I see coming.
1: Ryan, I I love that. That excites me. And another thing that excites me is your newest book, Head in the Clouds. And I want you to talk about it. And I also want to ask you the question: What would it mean to you
2: if someone had their head in the clouds? What is
1: it like? What does that sure. bring? Bring us into your world with this book.
2: Yeah. So, I my mom always. Said I was a kid with my head in the cloud, so <laughs> I was just always, I mean, you know, my, staring a mile away, just imagining, What if this happened? What if that happened? and kind of grew up as a young artist. I loved drawing, I loved comic books, I loved really like, so I always kind of had this sort of head in the cloud sort of personality. Uh, when I became a Christian, it didn't that didn't change. You know, that was, there's certain redeemable qualities that we carry from our childhood, whether we knew Jesus or not, into our walk with Jesus. And that was something I carried into that. And I, I was constantly going, gosh, that's really cool, but what if we did it this way? And what if we did it that way? Um, and so harnessing that, I know I'm not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are kind of like that, that dreamer personality. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my team knows Like if they, if they want an idea of an, a different way to do something, go sit with Ryan. He'll give you 80 different ways that we can do it. You know, sometimes it's great. Sometimes I have to harness it back and go, well, you know, like, but there is that side of me that I know is from, from the Lord. And I interacted with so many people that were similar going, gosh, I can't just keep dreaming. It's that, that sort of like that prophetic gifting. Yes. Um, that, that like um, the prophet as like uh, as, as a person that's imagining outside of their current context and going, not just prophetic in terms of this is what will happen in the future, but almost catching this vision of God's heart for the future that you almost can't even articulate. And there's moments I think for those with prophetic giftings where you see something happen and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me about that. I Mm -hmm. I didn't quite put it into words until now, but now I see it, you know? And so being that sort of personality sometimes in the church is really hard because we're really, Um, this is how we've always done it. We're really like, it's, it's, it's a culture that is kind of slow to turn around. Um, and so I kept seeing that and, and, and I would look around and there's a lot of people in the church that were like, kind of head patting for me going, Oh, Ryan, that's, you know, that's a nice idea, you know? And one day when you grow up and you're in the real world, you'll really understand how dumb that idea really is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had people do that in my life. And I will say this, I had people tell me that sort of thing about outcry the year before outcry took off. Wow. Um, and I'm still friends with those people. And I still ask them for advice in my life. You know, like I didn't throw out, I think people are so quick to throw the church out and go, oh, the church hurt me. Yeah, the church hurt me too. Like it's going to hurt everybody. <laughs> and I had leaders at the time that didn't believe in me at all that now are like, oh, Ryan, I see you now what you were seeing. Um, and really valuing that and understanding, yes, we look for wisdom. Yes, we look for insight with people. No, we don't want to do foolish things. But sometimes we have to, as leaders, go it alone just a little bit because we're seeing something that God's giving us and nobody else. And right. we have to carry that vision. We have to carry that burden. And we have to figure out how to communicate it to other people. Stop blaming them for not being in our head you know, and going, okay, well, how do I get better at communicating this thing? You know? So that's the head in the cloud side. And then it's funny, my publisher Zondervan and and my first call with them, they said, your book title is Head in the Clouds, Feet on the Ground. They're like, it's kind of a mouthful. I said, I know, but I think we need both of them, you know, so- you have to dream, and especially, I know you guys said you're about to have your first kid, <laughs> yep. and you'll, you'll realize all of a sudden your dreaming time goes way down. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, all my attention is geared toward these little humans and keeping them alive, um, and it, get, it gets a lot harder to dream, and so you have to kind of fight to keep that dreamer in, in you alive. On the other side, you have to have your feet on the ground. You have to know, like, what has God put in my hands right now? Right. Um, because that's what's important, and I work with so many college students, and so many of them are like, they don't want to put in the long haul. They're like, I have a dream to do outcry like you. And I'm like, yes, but will you wait 20 years like me to get to this point? I don't know. You know, like that is something, if you expect it to happen next year or five years from now, or even 10 years from now, you've got to go through a very, very long season, depending on what the Lord's doing in your life, to build a foundation before you can handle something like that. Or to realize that it was just sort of this kind of prophetic echo and it's a little bit different than what you imagined. That's your feet on the ground side. You have to keep that balanced in your life.
0: Yeah, that's a great reminder. Because during that process, Ryan, your character was being developed. God was Mm -hmm. downloading some create. I believe you're a pioneer in the creative realm. When you're a pioneer, you're kind of in the trenches by yourself, trusting that God is going to put his hand to the plow And you're just going to follow until he says left, right, go, whatever it is, you know? So I think for young adults in this day and age, exactly what you said, are you going to stick with it for 20 years? Are you willing to put forth the effort and do what God's called you to do and to steward now so he can have the development you know, that he needs in your heart, that he can bring the connections and the people, the resources, the people who believe you, when you come up against people who don't believe you, are you going to deflate and come back to earth? Or are you going to stay up in the clouds, living on cloud nine, where God's called you to stay and be, and to be that pioneer. So I just want to encourage the listener today that if you're a dreamer dream, but you also need to be a doer. You need to be a dreamer and a doer. If you're only a dreamer, It's just a thought that never has hands and feet put to it. It it dies inside of you. A doer, all you do is chase the wind, you know, and you're like, Mm. is it God's will? Is it God's will? Okay, but if I'm praying and doing, if I'm dreaming and doing, I'm teaming up with God in the process, you don't know what he's going to do. So we just love that you are, we love that you're being obedient and love that you're having fun and enjoying what God has done. And it's easy to look back on the highs and forget the lows. But those oh, yes. dark seasons they're there and that's where the character and the grit is being built mm,
2: absolutely. so we want to get to
0: our i think this is one of our favorite segments ryan where we to ask you five questions in five minutes so try okay. to keep them 60 seconds or shorter if you can or if you want to we're going to get started with question number one and i just want to ask um, this in regards to the listener for those listening who have a god vision or a huge dream how do they draw deeper and nearer to him in that process
2: i would say um um can you guys edit after this for sure is this okay okay is this, is this thing really loud though there's like a blower outside is it super okay
0: you got some good good, volume.
2: <laughs> good. okay all right Let's, let's take it back. If you could ask me that question one more time. Cause I was like paying sure. attention going, Oh, I hope this isn't like ruining the take. <laughs> I'm, making Sorry. I'm making a note, I'm <laughs> making a spot to edit
1: amongst all my other notes. I'm like what you're okay. thinking, dude, this is good. So.
2: <laughs> okay, back good. okay, good, good, good. Okay. Right. Right. that Last question. Sorry.
0: Are you ready? You're warmed up. You got your Michael Phelps yes. yes. on going ready for five and five yes. question number one. Coming your way, you're focused. All right, for those listening who have a God vision or dream, how do they draw deeper and nearer to Him in the process of preparing or maybe even waiting, but still being productive?
2: What I love about dreams that God gives is it starts to really show the uniqueness of what God has called you to do. Um, And I think it's such an important season when it hasn't come around. To, mm-hmm. to really dig deep into, to God, how have you made me? What am I bringing to the table that's unique? How have you created me and hardwired me with things that are unlike anybody else? Those dreams are kind of prophetic echoes into what you're going to be doing because none of us are called to be the people we see on Instagram. We're not called to be, you know, Joel Houston. We're not called to be, you know, uh, Stephen Furtick. Mm-hmm. We're called to be ourselves. So this is a season where you could dive deep and go, okay, God, I want to know about you and your character and what in your character you've put inside of me and really learn to appreciate that and walk in confidence in that.
0: Beautiful.
1: It's amazing. And Ryan, one of the God echoes or visions is becoming a reality in our life is we're about to become parents for the first time. Can you give us some parenting advice? Maybe what's one thing that you've learned raising kids to love Jesus in the, including them in ministry. What advice do you have for us or maybe our
2: listeners? Um, I would say uh, be careful with your expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think expectations with, with parenting is, is one of those things that uh, my wife did a, a class when we were first becoming parents, and she, she heard this phrase, expectations kill relationships. And I've worked really, really hard as our kids have gotten older you know, when they're young, if your expectation is they're not going to throw a fit on the floor when they don't get a toy, and then they throw a fit on the floor because they're not getting a toy, you're going to respond with anger. You're not going to be prepared. You're going to go, I don't, I can't believe my child is doing this to me. (laughs) These are all emotions that every parent feels. But if you walk into a store expecting them to throw a fit and you're prepared and you go, oh, I've been waiting for this. Here's my (laughs) game plan. Uh, That's really important. Uh, For me, I've had no expectation just that even in the season – uh, with COVID-19, it's like I've been really trying to disciple my kids even more than I ever have before. Uh, not expecting them to get discipled outside of our home, but understanding um, that they're going to be discipled in our home primarily. Um, and when they go to Christian school or something like that, it's or they go to Sunday school on Sunday, it's easy to expect that. So expectations have like honest, real expectations with your kids, with each other. Expect it to be hard. Expect each other to be imperfect in a marriage, you know, situation. And you're gonna have a lot more of a level head when the crazy curveballs hit you.
0: It's good. We got six weeks to prepare. No, just kidding. <laughs> get ready.
2: Get ready. <laughs>
0: oh, all right, Ryan. We're gonna flip the script here. And if you could ask us one question today, what would it be?
2: In all of your interactions with people on this podcast. What do you see happening with one uh, young adults right now? Something that's unique uh, that you're seeing kind of across the board as you're talking to youth leaders. You go first. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Ryan, I'm, I'm seeing, what, what I see right now is young adults are hungrier than ever. It's, it's just crazy. Mm. People are open and part of it is COVID-19 like mm-hmm. this week, this month. But even before yeah. that, I see like college students they are very open to spiritual things. The things they're mm-hmm. watching on TV, the media that they're consuming, they're mm-hmm. hungry for the real. They're hungry for the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for it on Google, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They just haven't maybe quite experienced God yet personally. So yeah. I just see a massive opportunity, and I see churches responding to the Mm. need. I feel like there's a crisis in our generation, and every time there's a crisis, there's a call, and God's Mm. calling the church, and I see the church really stepping up to reach and raise and have relationships with the next generation.
2: Awesome. Yeah.
0: I think one thing that I'm seeing is their desire to have a personal pastor or be discipled one-on-one. I feel like God's really called Josiah and I during this season, um, being on a college campus, and God said this, he goes, Micah, I've called you and Josiah to call a generation out, but call a generation up, meaning I'm going to call you out in love, but I'm going to call you up in truth in the same sense. Hey, yeah, you yeah. told me you're, you know, you don't have boundaries with your boyfriend. Maybe you're not supposed to be in that relationship. You know, like, yeah. you know, you're, you're yeah. having this going on in your life. Who does God say you are? So really yeah. putting the, the responsibility back on them. They desire accountability. And they may never say that. They may never recognize that. But what I'm seeing when I mentor girls one-on-one is, Micah, nobody's ever asked me that before. I don't have that conversation with my mom or dad or my best friends. And I just really pray for favor. You know, I'm just like, Lord, this may be an invasive spiritual question, but if nobody else is asking, how are they ever going to know? And if they don't believe in anything, they're going to fall for everything. So how do we, how do we be disciples? So I'm seeing this hunger for young adults. Like, will you disciple me? Will you mentor me? So Mm -hmm. I need to make sure, and I, Micah, Is my head screwed on straight? Am I spiritually walking with the Lord in the way that I need to be? And kind of just doing always a self-reflection of like, okay, Lord, these are not my children. This is not my ministry. This is your ministry. These are kids in your kingdom. What can I offer them that's going to bring you glory and build your kingdom in a positive way and not build my own? So I think that's what I'm seeing is that hunger in that way. So, yeah.
2: That's awesome! That's amazing, awesome.
1: and so, right. Let me close with this. If I were to ask you, you could tell anything to a generation of young adult pastors and, and college leaders. Um, you could leave them with one thing today. What would that thing be? With
2: I think um, raise your expectation on what God can do through you. Um, I think we have. Um, we have a very important season that's coming up. And I woke up in in January feeling, I think, a kingdom urgency, maybe unlike I've ever felt before. Um, And this sense of even with COVID-19, you're like something that that none of us really saw coming. But I think those of us that were in tune with what God was saying could sense that something big was about to happen in 2020. Um, And I was really sensing this urgency to tell people about Jesus and to figure out new ways to do that. And so I think for everybody that's listening to remember, I mean, it's so funny, we could put it on a t-shirt, we could put it on an Instagram post or something, but God, that God has a calling on your life is an unbelievable miracle. Mm -hmm. And that God has something insanely unique just to you is absolutely miraculous. And for us to really expect God to do big things, we have to sit down and go, God, I'm raising my expectation level on what you could do through me. I'm really taking seriously what I have in my hands and I want to make the most out of it. Um, and I want to finish this race hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to invest what you've given me and, and expand it. You know, I want to invest in the kingdom and see a return on what you gave me, Jesus. And I think when you have that sort of expectation, when you start to just go, no, God can do far greater than I can ask or imagine, and you really believe that, uh, something shifts in your life. And you'll start writing things down going, oh, man, that sounds a little scary, you know. And to me, I'm going, that is good. Write something down that scares you. Write something down that you're like, man, I would love to see this happen in my life. And then start praying into it seriously with a raised expectation that God can do it.
1: Brian, that is so good. Thank you so much for just challenging leaders and challenging us to say "If it's okay if it's scary. Write it down. It's good if yes. it's scary and thanks so much listeners you can find out more about ryan romeo and his newest book head in the clouds when you you connect with us on our podcast young adults today as well as our website Mm -hmm. is www.youngadults.today
0: until next time